Welcome to the Rowing Revolution podcast with Barney Williams and Carlos Daenerys. We are committed to consistently having unfiltered conversations that will serve as a call to action for our community. One of our fundamental beliefs is that by being intensely curious about the life experiences of those around us and creating a contrast from our day-to-day -day reality to that of others, we can improve our response to challenging events. By improving our response, we can ultimately create a more positive outcome. This process is represented by the equation that forms the title of this episode. Event plus response equals outcome. Today, Carlos and I are going to reflect on the powerful conversation we recently had with Alina Buryak. As those that listen to episode two know, we titled this episode to acknowledge the reality that Alina's husband was admitted to the hospital while fighting for Ukraine's freedom as patient number 10,001. Olina shared with us how when Russia attacked Ukraine a year ago, she was unable to compete in the Indoor World Indoor Rowing Championships and how she and her mother had to head to the border and wait in an eight kilometer long queue for 47 hours in order to escape the war. She then shared how she returned to Ukraine to support her husband who was injured defending Ukraine's freedom as a member of a regiment of Belarusian individuals who have chosen to defend Ukraine's freedom and forego their citizenship. We are confident that by reflecting on this conversation deeply, we will both honor the fact that Olina took the time to share her story with us and create a deeper impact for our community. And those that did listen realize it was a couple of weeks ago and Carlos and I have had plenty of opportunity to reflect. So today, we're going to dive right into that. And Carlos, I'm just, yeah, wondering where you want to start in terms of your memories of that conversation and, and, and how you're feeling about it now as, as you've had a chance to really digest it. I, you know, I, I looking back, you know, the, the, the impact of the conversation to me personally was go back to the basics of, you know, looking deep inside me and then um, just be sure that I wasn't taking for granted those things that I actually do because we think they are normal. But after listening at Olena, I saw that those things that are normal for me, they weren't for her. So I kind of look at, you know, what are those things and, and, and trying to understand why I'm taking them for granted and why not appreciating them. So uh, uh, again, you know, going back to those basic things, I mean, Wait, how was it for you? Well, I, I find that exactly sort of the same way I, I felt about it, which was we've read the headlines, we've, we've listened to the news reports and nothing affected me in any way, shape or form the, the way Elena's voice did. Like, I think it was the representation of the human experience that she is enduring. That felt very, very. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that, you know, we both have families, we, you know, you and I have kids and we appreciate that, you know, we are, um, you know, we have young kids, so they are still at home. And 
I remember asking her, you know, about, you know, her having kids or something, because it's something that, you know, I, I run deep, you know, for me, the concept of family or having kids is something that is ingraining me. I don't know why, but I do think that is something that it gives a lot of meaning to me as a, as right. a human. So when I saw her that, you know, now because somebody decides to, you know, take her country and is going to sacrifice thousands of his people just because he wants to take this country. And um, and then Elena now, you know, as, as, as simple as having a kid or trying to get pregnant, she cannot do it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I never, I never confronted that, you know, when I decided with my partner that we want to have a kid and we are going to try, you know, there is no government or there is no body who said you cannot do it. You know, even like, it, it's like, you know, when people say, oh, I don't want to have kids because I don't have money. Is that expensive? I say, that's, <laughs> I mean, let, let me go there. But I think, you know, this is one of those great things that humanity still today, we can have kids and maybe one day is going to be regulated and you are not allowed to have kids because, right. you know, right. you, you, it's only a privilege for, for some people that have that privilege and others won't have the, the chance to do it. But but that's what I picked up on in, in, in terms of your question was this um, idea of almost while we were listening, reflecting on our own lives in a, in a way that I hadn't experienced in terms of any of the news reports, as I said, any of the headlines, any of the uh, media coverage. Um, and I'm just curious, you know, for you and I, is that because we had Olina's voice and, and we had her talking about her response to this event? I mean, you remember her describing that it, she was woken by air raid sirens and missiles crashing in Kiev. It wasn't, it wasn't packaged. It was, it was very, very pure. And then it was her response to that. And remember her describing, so you were talking about the impact it had around the family and the ability to have a family. For me, when she was talking about not being able to plan a week ahead, that just hit, that struck a chord. The last two weeks, I mean, again, I've been very conscious of that, of our ability to plan. We're planning all these things at all times. And, and we take that for granted as, as an opportunity. It's pressure. It's stress. Oh, my God, it's so busy. And yet, instead, we could be seeing that as a real privilege, a real freedom to have that chance. That really stuck with me as, as, we're, as you said, busy families cobbling together all of these different responsibilities and, and experiences. And, and I just saw it through a different lens the last couple of weeks. And, and I was very grateful being in you know, the hockey arena for hockey or at the side of the soccer pitch or in the pool for synchronized swimming. It just, all of it felt like a gift. I mean, the, 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 the fact that she's trying to, you know, she's a rower. I, I, I met, I met her at regattas. I, I, you know, she shares our sport. She, um, you know, thinking about like all these people that, you know, are, are, are passionate about something, you know, they're rowing or they have this goal or they want to exercise to, you know, achieve that challenge or, you know, they want to go to the Olympics or they have this dream and, you know, like Ukrainians have now and now reflect that, you know, she cannot even participate because the, the, the Wi-Fi is, it might not work nevertheless like that she's, you know, in a country that is at war and, you know, she doesn't have the basics. I don't know if, 
she's mentioned that in in um, in the conversation or she mentioned it to us later that they will eat only um this chinese um or whatever this food they were giving them that was kind of you put on hot water right and um, you know they didn't you know they are eating food like this kind of um you it's know survival it's it's yeah survival it's like yeah. the, the kind of food you will take to you know hike a, a mountain or or yeah. something you know that yeah. is packaged and it's not anymore you know so how do you are going to talk about training for the olympics or having a dream you know if, if you are trying to survive with what you eat and again you know like i mean look at us you know we have everything and we still complain and we still um don't see it and and I, I think that's the biggest thing. To me, Barney was looking at the basics and forcing mm. myself to be appreciative of things that I have, that I don't give enough value and I don't really um, feel grateful for because of the way society works. Do, that, do you know, you what, know? Al what also uh, you know hit me as, as you're just talking there and, and, and really made me very conscious of, of our responsibility uh, in, in honor of that time with Olena was to keep pushing the awareness. So um, we last couple of weeks, I think we're very fortunate to have the chance to share this conversation with a number of uh, our community um, in the media. Um, you know, I, I had an amazing opportunity to connect with Matt Pinson and he and I were able to talk about what again exactly what you're saying we take for granted and and the responsibility in in one respect to at least appreciate that you know then i follow it elena she won two gold medals at the world indoor rowing championships and we had this incredible exchange uh over whatsapp with her and and just that strength and that sense of of you know again her response that's what i keep having in my head is her response she said that she was ready to pick up a rifle she was ready to, to go to to, to to kill for her freedom i i just don't think i'd ever appreciated and, and and i never had even considered what that would be like until listening to her talk yeah yeah i agree i agree i mean it was it was a powerful conversation and i i you know i i don't know where is that going to how is that all gonna end? You know, I, I don't know what is the next thing. I just, you know, I feel, I feel kind of, you know, what are we gonna do the rest of us? You know, about that. Um, right. We're well, sitting and, and observing. And that I think that's kind of what made me feel like we had to let that conversation breathe. We we had to let people digest it. We had to let ourselves fully digest it before we had another conversation like this, before we did another episode, because I think that's the premise is learning from others' experiences. We're talking about our intention with these conversations is to get people to reflect, to, to stop for a moment, reflect, and then take action. And so now I feel like our kind of purpose is even stronger. Our, our, our focus is even clearer. Um, it, it, it's, it's very, very important in my mind that today, as we talk about this concept of how do you respond to events, um, that we keep Elena's voice in our, in our heads. But as you said, there's not anything that we can do respectfully beyond that other than honoring her by talking about our life experiences. And, and, and your point is, you're looking at those basics 
and you're making sure on a daily basis that you're really embracing those. We maybe people hear the core values, you know, like what's most important to you. Is there anything there that just in the last two weeks has really jumped up? You were just in Mexico, right? Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that wasn't important. I think what was <laughs> to me what um, the impact was. You know, I I look back and I say, you know, one of the things is important for me is my kids, and um, and then I feel I feel very um, empowered to to just really support a lot more than than you know I, i've been doing it all the time but really observe and and support a lot like the all these people that are helping my kids to be better you know mm. like teachers or coaches um mm. i just i just think is you know those people like i don't want to take them for granted you know like i i feel like they they are influencing my kids to be to be prepared for life and um and I, it's just not like a, an exchange. Just they do it for money. You know, they are putting their lives into shaping the life of my kids. So that's get me to reflect about that and and as a basic thing. Do you know, do you know what I hear in that though? I hear you being more present, like you just being more in the moment, right? And 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 really being aware and observing. And and, and I guess that's what today for me is definitely about is looking at some events that have happened. Um, in, in our lives, and, and, and you and I have talked a lot about this, but I, I think today is going to be an interesting moment for me to really go back in time to a, a very, very challenging event in my life. And, and, and the importance of responding by being present. And, and maybe that means just stopping and taking a breath. Maybe that means really observing, as you said, why what's happening is happening versus just reacting to it. Because that reaction creates an outcome. And, and, and Carlos, I don't want to sort of dive ahead here, but I, I, I think if you're willing, I'd love to go back to that end of sport moment for me. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about it in October of 2007. Um, it was pretty raw. So, yeah, like, I mean, the the definitely, like, everything that starts, you know, eventually is going to have an end. And, um, and for you you know, how was that, that end of your rowing career, you know, since you bring it up, like walk me through, like what happened that day? Well, the, 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 the sort of context is important, of course. Um, and, and, and again, my pledge to you today was, was to not, um, you know, shape this in any way, but just to put it on, um, you know, the page for you and, and then to walk through it. But, We'd had a very difficult world championships as a team, um, maybe maybe more as an individual. Uh, I was part of the men's four that finished 14th at the World Rowing Championships in 2007, and that was the Olympic qualification year. So the top 11 crews qualify, hence, um, you know, the disappointment, the, the, the sense of frustration, clearly, that all of us were feeling. And I returned back with a very, very simple mantra in my head of, you know, just put your head down and attack, put your head down and attack. And I created in my mind this plan, which was to go back to what had worked for me. And uh, I had the good fortune of, of Jake Wetzel still being um, very uh, heavily involved and, and a member of the men's eight that had won the, the gold medal in Munich. Um, and, and so he and I had talked and, and we sort of decided that we would 
uh, row the pair together as, as a sort of kickstart to the season. Um, I, can, you, can you picture this now? So you take a month in between the World Championships. You have some time for your individual training. And then we return to Elk Lake. And I think it was October 1st. And Jake and I went out that morning uh, in a pair. Um, you know, a little bit of a, a kind of instinct to say, like, let's grab the reins here. Let's get this started. First session of the, of the final, uh, you know, year of the quadrennial. And Carlos, we arrived at point one. Um, that's the sort of uh, start of our, our, our training environment. And uh, we were alone up there for a few minutes. And as the rest of the team arrived, everyone arrived in single skulls. So that <laughs> was clearly a um, problem given that the coach, uh, Mike Spracklin, had assigned training in the singles and we were sitting there in the pair. Um, it, we did not get off to a good start. So you had to go back and take singles or? No, we, we, we decided slash we're, we're uh, faced with the reality of, well, we've made this decision. We've got to live with it. And, and so we were uh, rowing the session uh, under, um, you know, duress, I guess, in terms of, of, of Mike's frustration. He was very, very upset to see us out there in the pair. You know, he obviously felt it was a complete uh, sign of, of disrespect to him and, and to the environment. Um, and, and so we rode the, the session in the pair. Uh, yeah, it was pretty awful. So, so, so Jay Watzel raised the eight the year before or no, or the four with you? No, no, that summer in Munich, he was racing in the men's eight that had won. And you were in the men's four. Right. And then you were 14th. Correct. So then maybe Mike Sprocking, what he saw there is that you were stealing one of his rowers um, to, to row with you. And then uh, you were jeopardizing the eight or what? what whole... Yeah, I would. I think that's probably a, a fair uh, assumption. Um, the day progressed, Carlos. That was certainly not the uh, the high water mark of, of the day. Um, we we had a further training session and a technical session, and then that afternoon we were on the ergometers. Um, that's sort of the rhythm on the Mondays, um, and we would meet up uh, at a facility about 10 or 15 minutes away from Elk Lake. And we uh, set up the, row the rowing machines in a, a kind of pyramid format. That's the way that we trained as a group. And uh, Mike very uh, sort of clearly uh, suggested that we were not going to start the, the training session until I had uh, left the environment until you leave the room you were in the room right yeah we were all sitting on our machines getting ready to start the workout and 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 mike's statement was that we would not start the workout i, I took the time it's been 16 years to um do a bit of uh reflection obviously but also uh chat with a few people that are in the room that day and and um rob gibson was sitting next to me and, and he remembers that mike spracklin had asked uh, Peter Dembicki, who was the uh, athlete rep for the for the team, uh, to, to 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 have me leave. So he, Mike Spracklin was talking to Peter Dembicki, saying, um, "Please have Barney leave the environment before we start this training session." So he didn't want you there. Correct. And um, 
did you um i mean did did you how how do you react to that i mean what was going through your head well i mean again the premise of bringing this up was this clarity now that i have which is that my response to the event right and which event are we talking about well i think the event we're talking about is finishing 14th at the world championships. My response to that was to fight and protect and hold on to my identity as, as a, as a national team rower. So I was doing everything to maintain that. And obviously in that moment, when Mike Spracklin said, you're not welcome here, I fought, I, I did not leave the room. There was Rob Gibson says this incredibly high sort of fever like pitch tension in the room it was it was it was silent but you could feel this this tension uh and i just made the decision i was not going to get off the rowing machine i was i was not leaving yeah because normally like when so let's talk now about you know when when people like end their rowing careers like what is normally like on the national team like you were there on the national team, you know, for a few years, what what was normally the way people end their rowing careers? They 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 just get caught because they don't make the Olympic team, or they decide that they want to move on after a bad result, or they get injured. What was um? You well, know, I, think, you... I, I think that's really what we are. Uh, I, I feel like diving into today is is a very powerful conversation around the idea of of a of a career or, or, or an experience and how it starts up organically, right? I mean, we've been down this road, you and I, about our love of this sport and what brought us into it. And there was no um, thought about when it would end. We just fell in love with it and we just decided we wanted to give everything to it. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. But the question, of course, is how does it end? You don't plan the end. I mean, I guess the one thing that maybe some people do is they plan to finish after a certain event, right? So that's maybe the, the, the strategic ending is, but, but for most people, they don't have that choice, as you said, because they didn't make it to that event. For everyone that makes the world championships or the Olympic games, we know how many people don't make it. So then, yes, it's that moment that you've been cut and you have to make the decision of, do I return for another season? Um, I, I think the point is it's forced on a lot of people. And in that case, that day, it was being forced upon me. But the reason I'm talking about it today is because the response I had to that, Carlos, has created a number of outcomes. It, 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 it's, it's ridiculous when you look at it in terms of that one response, that one moment where I decided I was going to fight. I wasn't going to let that identity go. I wasn't going to walk away. Obviously, a couple of days later, um, I, I made the decision to step away. But the, the instinct to fight for it created a set of outcomes, a set of decisions that has, you know, impacted me for the last 16 years. Well, is I mean, you're pursuing this 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 dream or, you know, you're focusing all your energy into into getting to to that goal. And then you put everything aside, you know, if, if in the case of, you know, trying to make the Olympics that you did, you want to do it again 
and you you know you you know that it requires a lot of energy you you know is if if you don't work if you know some people work and row at the same time but some people will rationalize that you know if you if you only row like you can push your body further and i guess with mike's tracking training program it wasn't possible to work and row because right. you were training three times a day and you were exhausted so you know it would be hard to put like you know 40 hours a week or 30 hours a week of work in the computer or anything that kind of of training program there is other training programs that maybe you know are more focused on attack it differently and and then there is some time for work you know like they do in the netherlands or yeah. you know in other countries yeah. so so what i see is you you know the and, and and that's the problem of 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 when you train and you don't work or you don't do anything and you are so obsessed about the result you know that if if that end of your rowing career because of injury or in your case because you just come back from that bad result and your identity you know is still in rowing because you don't know anything else that's what you've been doing for you know how right, many right. how many years you've been rowing at in 2000 yeah, probably in 2007 10 years. Like 10, 10 years 10 years yeah yeah, so that's a long time. So ten years, you know, and and very important years of development of your of your of yourself. So all of a sudden, you know, you you decide to to leave the sport, or you or something happens, and you have to leave the sport, and you haven't prepared for it because you know you you haven't thought about you know, uh, you, you know. I I guess the one who goes to the Olympics and 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 achieves his goal or or or, or says you know I'm putting that. That, right. that that mark and I achieve it is and then I'm gonna leave the sport. It, it might be less traumatic. Even there is a huge, you know, challenge of identity loss. Correct, because as soon as you move into the real world, that but it doesn't but, Car work. but Carlos, we would we would both agree that is for the very very few. Yeah, the one percent, the one. Not even. Yeah. I mean, that's that. That no. is an absolutely rare occasion. And you see the people that do that, and then they return back, even yeah. after they said they were done. Remember, Steve Redgrave said, "If you ever see me in a boat again, you can shoot me." After the nineteen ninety six Olympics, because and he, came. and he came back, and and so look, I mean, I owe it to you, and 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 obviously to our community to say, well, what what are we doing here? What how is this tying in with Olina's conversation? It's this idea of really being vulnerable when an event happens, really being present when an event happens to understand why it's happening. And, and you and I luckily have, you know, connected the dots here for the last 16 years. But after I left, what did I do? I went into broadcasting. Did I go into broadcasting? Cause I had this passion since a young person for being a sports broadcaster. No, I had a passion for sports, and this was my way to stay involved in sports. I had, this is my way to stay connected to it. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the latest transition, um, the latest chapter professionally was coaching. And what was that tied up in? Was that actually still a fight to stay involved, to stay connected to something that, and I, I'm using your phrase because I, I think you have an unbelievably pure way of saying this, but I needed to let it die. I just needed to let that part of me die in exchange for something else beautiful, like being a father, like being a husband, really flourish. I, I mean, I, you've talked about it. Does that, I mean, I, I feel like you would say that's pretty simplistic, pretty basic 
thinking for you, but I don't think it's necessarily what everybody's first response is when they face a, a moment in time like this. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there is a few things I see here. One is, you know, this is all happening to to you and, and, uh, and me happen and to people when they're young. Um, you know, in, in the case of rowing, because everybody gets excited about rowing and, and they're trying to pursue this goal or this dream when they're young. So they're in, in a development phase. So is 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 you know, this we have at this age less experiences. So we kind of are going, you know, we're not prepared to maybe let things die. But the, the reality is, you know, you're building your identity, you are building who you are, and all of a sudden you find you know, pleasure in, in growing and success to some degree, you are good at it. And um, you kind of build your self-identity and your confidence and you kind of get addicted to that because that's giving right. you, you know, a good, a, a good feel. But on the other, on the other hand is delaying the reality of, you know, how you're going to confront the world where you're not special or you are not going to be told you're really good at it because you're going to need to do the same things. You know, you're going to need to accept, you know, you're going to need to get a job. You're going to build a family. You know, you're not going to be that special human that gets to dream to go to the Olympics. And I think that when we hide into this rowing identity or, you know, or, or we get behind that with a goal, which has a lot of values. I'm not talking is bad. And we can talk about all that rowing is brought to you. But right. any, other, any other way, it kind of delays that reality of confronting life or getting to, to life like everybody else. Right. And then, and then when that happens, it, it comes as a shock, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, um, your life, it's pretty exciting, you know, when you dream about going to the Olympics. I don't know, like how exciting was when you got to be named for the Canadian team to go to the Olympics. I bet it was very exciting, correct? Oh, for sure. I mean, you're now, you know, touching on the facts, right? And, and the facts are it's addictive. It, it's it's an incredible sense of uh, self-worth. Uh, um, you know, there's there's this feeling of accomplishment. There's obviously the the, the spotlight that comes with it. Um, but that's that's the thing you I think you name it there the self worth. Why is that has to do anything with what your self worth? Why we cannot be already self worth before we get engaged into any dream? You know why not everyone should be already like feeling self worth and feeling grounded that it has value as a human? Why we need to you know have somebody outside of us? to tell us if we're good or not and need to be validated. And I think that's where the the weakness start. You know, we, we have to, you know, grab to something to tell us that we're worth or we're good. And that's where, you know, as soon as we lose that, because we don't have that self-worth granted in us, we are not in love with ourselves yet, or we don't really think that we deserve, you know, to feel that we're really good and we need valid external validation, then at that point, you know, when the rowing career ends, then that's going to come. It, it hasn't got any better. It's just there. It's going to get worse even. So I, I think, you know, somehow we should prepare for it. I don't know. No, no. I think, I think that's why this conversation with Olina has sort of shaken me in, in such a sort of powerful way is to force me to go back as I listen to her a two-time Olympian, 
right? She was in the 2012 and the 2016 Olympic Games for Ukraine. She's a, a world champion, um, championship medalist. She's obviously, I mean, what, what is her Instagram? The Erg Queen. I mean, this, this woman's identity would very easily be tied up in rowing. And yet, and I heard in her, I, I listened to her describe this humanity and this, this powerful re recognition of that can all be taken away from you. So what do you have? What, 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 you know, what do we, again, as you said, taking for granted the ability to dream, the ability to plan. And I'm just sitting here now and going, if you're right, if we can kind of share that uh, perspective, share these experiences in a way that maybe somebody else out there hears it and says, oh, okay, there's, there's a, a little extra um, advantage I have now going through life because I can look at this as a project. I can look at this as a chapter in my life. I can look at this as a few moments that are gonna appear on the iPad as opposed to this all-encompassing identity, this sense of who I am. And whether that's your job, a parent, whether that's being a sibling, I mean, you again are very, very clear when I listen to you talk about how you don't take anything with you. You don't take anything with you at the end. So it's that ability to be present and to support those around you. That's what feels like a really cool moment now that I'm feeling this conversation with Olena has stirred up in me is how to help others around me by just be, being vulnerable, not worried about identity, uh, but it's forcing me to go back in the last 16 years and say, how much of that has I, how many of my decisions have been based on that, right? That, that sense of validation. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, I told you this would be uh, a very, very deep sort of reflection. That's what has taken me two weeks, I think, to get ready to share it with you. And, um, you know, I don't know where you want to go from, from here. I, I, I feel like that's raw in, in terms of our interaction. I think you've heard that from me as I've been talking about this. And it's about being vulnerable and saying, why did I do that? You know, that's what I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, you know, do you think of those moments at all and kind of reflect on certain decisions? I mean, you have a crazy moment where you left Lake Samish and you had a dream there that, that was ended to help rowers um, achieve their Olympic dreams. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, things um, starting life and then eventually got to an end, you know, the, the basic one is life itself. You get born and then one day you die. So I think the, the different um, events that go through your life, um, you know, if you start a relationship and, and then it ends or, you know, if you, you know, starting a job and then you end it and then jump to another job or, you know, like I, I, I bet everybody can phrase you know, a lot of things that have started and got to an end. And to me, you know, the Lake Samish, you know, looking back, what I what I know when something ends clean and I moved on, I let it die, is when I don't look back with with regret or missing right. it. Or, right. you know, it's like it's like let's say, you know, you buy a house and you, you sell your house to buy another one and constantly you're comparing the house to the other one. And then you are feeling like, well, we shouldn't have never moved, or we shouldn't have never sold the house. It was, you know, then, you know, you, you, you. I mean, there is nothing you can do, correct? Like right. the house, the house is sold. You have the new one. So why you're gonna get caught into that? You know. So, 
and a little it, it has to do a little with your rowing you know you you yeah. your rowing is coming to an end I, again you know when we talk about rowing is physiology is 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 like you cannot keep rowing just because you want to keep rowing like right. i mean it's the purpose of rowing is to race and compete and the yep. purpose of competing is um is to perform so if you are getting you know if your body is not performing anymore for any reasons you know or you you don't have the mind there and your performance is not coming so it's maybe better you you move to do something else and and you have to come in peace within yourself you know you yes. and that's why and that's why you know you shouldn't take for granted when you're doing it because first of all is like a is like a luxury the chance you know to have the chance to 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 take time to compete you know i was talking the other day with um one of the the coach of the coach no the person who is teaching uh, my 5 years old to swim he doesn't swim yet but he's almost there and <laughs> okay he um he she was telling me um i don't know how they came that you know her passion for swimming and then she said that she used to uh, train to be a um, synchronized swimmer. Right. So she was a competitive synchronized swimmer as a very young age. But then I think her parents, she told me her parents divorced. And on the divorce, she moved with one of her parents. Right. And, and then she she couldn't do it anymore you know the driving or or the fees of the club or right. whatever it was and then she was telling me you could see a lot of of grief on her mm. how one of the 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 athletes that was training with her and up you know progressing and going to the olympics and she was wow. on her level wow. and then she never got to to experience that and then she eventually when she had the chance she got back into coaching um swimming yep. not synchronized swimming so again you know this this coach now is telling me that she couldn't even try because her family situations so how many people are right are are training or trying to be competitive you know and and they don't realize that you know many people cannot even go there because they have family situations or they cannot pay the fees or they um but you know, their country's at war, you know. What are you gonna train for the Olympics if you, you're trying to defend your so, you know so your family? Carlos, Carlos what yeah. that what that reminds me of is when you talk about creating contrast. So you listen to that. I can hear you describing her situation and feeling despite your difficulties, despite your challenges, that really in many ways um limited your opportunities, obviously with the accident, with being a lightweight rower. In a, in a with a very uh, sort of poor physiology that the federation didn't obviously approve of and wasn't going to invest in all of these moments, I'm listening to you and you're saying, yeah, but at least I had that. At least I had the chance to do it. Whereas this young person was not provided with that opportunity because of situ a situation out of their control. Yeah, absolutely. I feel I feel like you know many of of the things that. You know, I will, I, I won't say complain, but I will say, you know, oh, why I'm not winning, you know, and maybe my body is not, you know, as gifted as other people's body. And, uh, but at least I had the chance to fight for it. And, and again, you know, when we were talking about, um, you know, self-worth and self-validation, self-validation, I mean, why, you know, if you are born, you know, 
you know, two meters or six, six, or, you know, long arms, or, you know, like the engine of a horse, like you have this <laughs> natural view to max that is unreal, you know, that you can run or you can bike or you can do anything and you're going to be outstanding. And then now putting some work or training or discipline, you're going to race to the top. Correct. Right. Why is this person, me, that I'm short, I have short arms. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't have this engine like a horse. You know, I'm just normal. And I, I put the same effort and I'm going to be one minute behind. Why this person needs to feel more self-worth than mm. me? When, you know, that person was giving that just genetically. So again, you know, like the society makes us to, to, to measure ourselves yeah. totally something that is, you know, is, you can say, oh, this person trained really hard to win whatever event. You say, yeah, but I trained really hard or harder and I couldn't win or even get close to that person because that person, and I'm not saying that, right. you know, everything is about talent. And I'm not saying that the people who have that talent, if they don't train hard, they're going to get out there, but other people don't get to start it. You know, they, they, they can do all the training they want. And I, and that's why I think that, you know, um, I want to be sure with my kids mm. that I build uh, on them that grounded confidence of who they are. I don't let society to tell them if they're self-worth or not because of the result of a of an event if they're racing or, or, right. or because of grades. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them they are self-worth because they they learn about themselves and they learn about the basics and whatever happens around them say grades or say you know they get to well, a school well, or no, another you well, know i think I, mean, I think what i what i'm hearing you say which is so revealing in terms of a potential mindset that that we can take forward uh, for our children is that no it doesn't matter if you win a medal what matters is you gave your all. What matters is you gave everything you had that you you truly took advantage of the opportunities you had, the event, your birth, and the genetics that you were given, that was out of your control. But how you responded to it to say, I don't care that I'm small. I don't care that I'm not as strong as somebody. I'm still going to give everything. That needs to be internally regarded as a success because otherwise what we're doing now is just giving everyone a medal. And that doesn't make sense either, because then you don't get the benefit of competing and the, 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 the sense of reward, maybe for being the underdog and beating somebody you should never have beaten. I mean, you were very kind to describe our, our race in 2004. And, and I'm certainly not going to put anything uh, you know, out there in terms of data points, other than Matt Pinson had a slightly bigger max VO2 than I did, like a lot. Okay, but the point is, I and, and so for me, there's no regret. I don't feel like I was deserving of something I didn't get. The pride was to give everything I had. But where is this taking us right now? It's taking us to this clarity you brought. I knew you would, which is self-worth. You cannot use the outcomes, right? You cannot use the outcomes as the, you have to use the responses. Your response to being small and still saying, I'm going to fight for something, that's the success. Well, I, I think, listen, I, I think there is nothing wrong about um, one person winning and, and the rest losing because that's life and that's competition. And, and I never felt like 
you know, when I see a race or I go into a race that, you know, that I don't want the best one to win, you know, and I feel like, you know, because I'm not gifted or I don't have the abilities, I never can win. So this is fake. You know, I, I don't think that. I think the problem comes from, you know, like whole society presents the 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 fact that, you know, if you don't win or you are not performing at, at that because you just don't have the ability and you're putting all the work, you know, like all the attentions go to the winner and the coach, I think a lot of the times, you know, doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't recognize, you know, the, 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 the one that is not perfect. I mean, at the end, you know, the resources, everything goes to the winner, everything, you know, the other one gets left on the side. And, and I say, what is, where is the the network or or the or who is gonna help that one left on the side that is putting all the work and is not getting anything and you say it very well you know that's winning you know if you put all the work and you right. and you build right. all that but a lot of the people get lost on the cracks that, but that's what we're saying is that by having this awareness by being aware of this while you're doing it then you don't necessarily find yourself lost or feeling like you failed because you have that pride while you're doing it. You don't have to come back and look at it afterwards and say, oh, I realize it now. That's what I hear you saying is in your kids, you're trying to instill in them a mindset that says you define your worth. You define success for you. And then you can use these other uh, projects and, and you know where I'm going with this because we have an incredibly exciting conversation coming up for our next episode with someone who has embodied that mindset that says just life is filled with projects and you give your all to a project and then it, it ends. And it may end the way that you thought it would. It may end completely differently than you thought it would, but you get the chance to get it another project underway. You know, when that project ends, another one starts. Is, is that making sense to you in terms of how I'm feeling now as I reflect back and go, if I'd looked at that moment in October of 2007 as an end to a project versus my response was to fight and hang on and, 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 and def defend that identity, then it's not to say things would have been better or worse, but it would have definitely been different. Do you know what I mean? I, I definitely feel now in retrospect there was moments i was looking for that my grandmother said to me bless her okay you can now step out of the spotlight and you can be a good father to your young son and you can support your wife who is still at the top of her game who is ready to go and have the best olympic race of her life you can do that and yet for whatever reason i couldn't see it that way but now I'm not going to say it's all because of Alina's conversation or our conversation. It makes sense to me. That's the paying it forward idea is look at an event and see it for what it is, which is, as you said, the end of something, the dying of something, but maybe the start of something else. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it's easier to see it like later in life and look back, you know, as when you are in, in it and you don't have as much experience, but I, you know, I agree. I, I think that it's hard to let go when your whole identity is built on that. And um and I wish, you know, um, you know, the coaches are there to 
to help people to perform and to get results. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest role of a coach for me is, you know, the, the lives you get to touch and the people you get to be, you know, stronger and better and how you develop them. And, and, and again, you know, it's interesting, you know, like um, the coaches that, you know, when they have rowers to come back to them and appreciate them and, and share, you know, feel like they, they are in their iPad, they're part of their life. And the other coaches that, you know, the, the athletes, they don't want to see them ever again. You know, why is that? You know, that, right. that should be sad in a way, because if you are trying to help somebody to be the best they can be, it should be a partnership. It shouldn't be like somebody you don't want to see again. You can have these agreements, but you should have some kind of trust and respect within each other of each other's role. So that's interesting to me because again, you know, like I think if you get to have a coach where you really are gonna, um, it's been an impact and it's gonna a big part of your life and you really respect that person and it's helped you to push you and to learn and it's told you the truth is the way they are. So maybe that person also is help you to see your self-worth away from the sport by right. pointing at good things you have that are not just the result, you know? Well, and, and, and again, that is why I know that's why we started these conversations is because the opportunity for someone to engage in this sport fully to give everything to it, but understand that what they're getting out of it isn't going to be necessarily a set of results. It's going to be a set of life skills and it's going to be relationships forging these bonds for life. That's what makes it special. That's what we have to make sure someone comes into it looking for. And I think you just nailed it when you say well, the coach then is almost empowered to say that's what you're coming for. The results, they're going to be a product of so many different factors, right? It's, there's so many variables, so many things out of your control. But if you're coming in to get that sense of work ethic and that sense of give your all to something and commit to others, give yourself over to others. I, again, Carlos, I know that this has been a conversation that is focused a little bit more on my journey, but I think it's really powerful for me to say how what you have showed me is that by looking at other life experiences, I think I, I listened to Olina. I think I engaged in that conversation in a way that was very different than had I not had these conversations with you beforehand, because I was listening to her and I was responsible for understanding why we were having this conversation. And that's what I'm saying, it was an event. And that event made me appreciate things in a very, very different way than I had. Um, and and, it, and it, it, it's ultimately what I hear you saying, which is we have to help each other. We have to give uh, our energy to others and not know what the outcome's gonna be, right? What did you tell me the other day? You said, don't worry about the expectations. You're just boxing yourself in. You're just putting yourself in a little prison because if those expectations don't work, well, they're out of your control. What happens if there's a, a natural disaster or a war breaks out? Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. And I and I think that to me, again, you know, listening at you and, and listening at your story, I'm using it for, you know, for my kids and, um, I, you know, how I want them to grow. And I mean, this is my biggest job, you know, my biggest job is how I prepare them so that they 
you know, have an identity that is not based on what other people's right. or sports or people say, you know, and I, I, I think that a lot of the times, um, as parent, you know, we, we think about like, okay, what is the right parenting? Uh, why, you know, but again, you know, I, I feel sport plays a huge role of, of the development. And I, and I am a huge, I am a big believer of sports and I, they done a lot for me and, you know, I want my kids, if they want, you know, I'm going to support them to play sports and learn about competing and, and right. learn about, um, you know, that if they don't win, they can work harder. Right. And, and uh, if they really want it and maybe they, you know, still won't win because somebody is working as hard as them and has more ability. So that's part of life and accepting that, you know, you never, you not all the time win. But at least you you develop work ethics. But I think on the on the side is how do I teach them to to have a self worth that is not depending mm -hmm. on the results? I also you know remember when you see people that are doing really well at sports and they walk like they are on the top of the earth. Yes. And then and then uh, and the people who are uh, not doing as well and they walk like the, everything is uh, collapsing for right. them. Um. Is is just you know, but then everything is is based on something that I mean, it's, nobody cares about sports, you know. Like sports is something that doesn't matter. Like what matters is you know, like uh, the basics of life are not sports. Sports right. is just something is is for the rich, is for the privileged people, is for the people who don't have to survive. They just decide to play sports because it's a game, you know. If you go. If you go to you know a, a village right. in 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 Africa that they don't have food, do you think they're worried about playing sports? Right. I mean, they're worried about eating or they're worried about feeding their kids. Or if you go to Ukraine, you right. know, I I I think they're trying to survive. So I'm not saying sports are not good, but I'm saying why somebody should be depressed or thinking like everything is collapsing because hmm. you know sports are not working for them and and that has. I think that's you know what is 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 sad to see. You know, I look back and I see, you know, I don't want to see that one that is doing everything and is not getting the result depressed because right. that's not right. You know, and then the other one, um, thinking that is a superhuman, that's not right either. It's not superhuman of anything. Superhuman will be if you know if if he goes, you know, and and that's no, something. No, no one is right. No one is because as no. you said everybody ends up leaving sport, right? It happens. No one yeah. gets to do it forever, uh, you know? And so there's this, again, clarity that these, in my mind, are driving home. Remember we talked about it in terms of using sport? Like, you talked about it now. I see it. Self-worth cannot be because of the outcome, the result, it has to be your response to the event. I mean, you said it. I, I think we've heard this before. You lose more from you learn more from losing than you do from winning. Sometimes. No, absolutely no. You learn always more from losing than winning because when you win, you just celebrate. When you lose, you reflect because you are in pain, and then you have action. You know, when you win, you you know normally. I mean, there is some people that are special. You know that they win and they just want more and they'll train harder right. and they. But um, normally, like, you know, humans, uh, normally when they win, they celebrate and they relax, you know, and that's why then they start losing. So that's human nature. But my, my point is, 
you know, is is if there is somebody out there listening, you know, at, at this chat and they, you know, they've been cut of the sport or they've been put down or they've been feeling like they were not good enough or they weren't, um, mm. you know, they left the sport because, you know, they, they wanted to, to make that team and they couldn't make right. it because things didn't work out for them or they didn't have the, that that's so bad that they are feeling that way or they are carrying on. They need to move on. They need to let this face die and they need to convince themselves that because that's the majority of people who leave the sport, Barney, and they yep. need to convince themselves that if they work hard and, yep. and, and, or work hard, or maybe they wanted to work hard and then for family situations, but because they couldn't have afford right. keep growing, they had to leave it and they feel, you know, they, they need to convince themselves, look back and say, you know, I need to let go. It's not my fault. It's not my fault that I'm not seven feet or I have a huge view mm. to max. It's not my fault that I didn't have the money to move to that place and to pursue my dream that was go to the Olympics. It's not my fault that my parents couldn't, you know, like do that for me because they were struggling on their own way. It's not my fault that I got sick or I got injured, you know, and, 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 you know, all of a sudden I cannot do that because I'm injured and I see all my teammates moving on to that next level and I cannot do because my injury is holding me back. And now I'm, I just, you know, feel all my life, like, you know, kind of, I, you need to make peace with yourself and you need to, you know, you need to let this thing die and just say, you know, now there is something else coming up and I'm going to embrace it. And I look back and, you know, these are the lessons I learned. I tried it and it didn't work out for me the way I want it for any circumstance. And, and, but at well, the end and, of the day, that, didn't we, that's didn't, part of life. I feel like I remember Olena saying that. I remember her saying something about how, you know, the third 500, she'd learned in the sport of rowing how to fight, how to, to, to dig deep and, and, and push back against the, the pain. And she was using that energy to fuel her. And, and that's what she said, I'm ready to fight now for our country. I mean, and again, that's why that conversation was unbelievable because she was clearly able to acknowledge that maybe the rowing was over. Amazingly, she got to do these indoor rowing races, as you, as we said. We, we, she didn't even know if she was going to be able to do them if there was a an airstrike or if there was a Wi-Fi problem. But it didn't sound like that was her identity. It just sounded like this was somebody that was again able to look at an event and respond to it. Um, in a, in a, I thought an incredibly powerful way. And that's why I wanted to take this time to have this conversation. How about this? Can I try? I know you and I could keep going. Can I try just summing this up with one little kind of, um, you know, I guess, uh, conclusion, and then you tell me how that lands with you. And, 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 cause as you said, we, we have a conversation coming up that I can't wait to get to. Um, that's going to, I think really build upon what we've done here, but, um, yeah. How are you feeling? Can I, can I give that a go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good to go. So for me, it's the idea that the life experiences of others can create a contrast, uh, you know, a, a context, if you want to look at it that way, a contrast to your day-to-day, -to, -day, to your life. And that contrast can allow you to create a response to an event that can actually create a different outcome. So the event is the same. The event is, is, is what it is. That's out of your control. But the, the response to that event can create a different outcome. 
And in my mind, that's what today's conversation was for me, was looking back at my response in October was to fight for that identity, despite very politely you suggested maybe my physiology wasn't there, you know, not taking anything away from my crewmates, but finishing 14th at the World Championships is a long ways off of where the team wanted to be and where, where, the, where, where the coach wanted the team to be. So that was sort of my response to hold on to something, to, to fight for an identity and move into other paths that would give me that, maintain contact with it, instead of, not for better or worse, but instead of just letting it die, letting it die, and then the response may have been the same. I may have gone into broadcasting, but it may have had a different outcome. Go into coaching, maybe it has a different outcome. So my comfort with our conversation today is that by reflecting on your responses to events that we face on a daily basis, we can actually change the outcome. And this will improve the iPad doing moment whenever and wherever that ends up happening in your life. How's that land with you? Good, good. Then I think we just keep pressing on. I mean, it's unbelievable the community that has leaned in behind us here and the, you know, I think we want continued feedback from people. So again, if you have any feedback from the conversation today, um, you you know, questions that you have for us, suggestions, ideas, you can email us, therowingrevolution at gmail.com. And I am so excited for our next conversation because I think it's going to bring this really to the surface in terms of a mindset, in terms of an energy. Um, Carlos, last word to you in terms of uh, the conversation today. Yeah, I, I mean, I I just hope that, you know, the people out there that listen to this conversation and they are feeling, you know, they're feeling like angry or or they're feeling like they, they didn't get to finish the job or they they are feeling like, you know, they are not happy. I think they should just understand that, you know, like they need to make peace with themselves and they need to, um, I think they they need to realize that, you know, you are as a champion as, as anyone. If you have put your best or, you know, circumstances haven't let you do it, you know, and, and to me, it's sad to see, um, to see, you know, I feel that, I can feel when I talk to athletes, I feel that that sadness on them because they feel they have failed others or they have failed themselves and they just didn't they didn't fail anyone, you know. They but they, you know, I don't know why is that in their brain, you know. It's like maybe the way society works or maybe the way they feel they are validated by others, but the reality is the only one that can validate themselves is themselves. Yeah. 